you would help me, give me the words to say, Father. Help me to have the clarity of mind uh, that I need to be able to uh, minister your word to your dear people. Lord, help this to be a time of growth and a time to be challenged. We love you, Father. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Hebrews chapter number 11. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Hebrews chapter number 11. And uh, we've been going through uh, Hebrews 11 and talking about faith and, and, and taking our time through it, you know, and, and really being able to uh, learn some things and dig some things. Just kind of to give you a very, very quick review. As we've been looking at the characters, it's been interesting because we, we started off kind of talking about faith and what faith is and what it can produce in your life and why we need it. And the fact that faith is the opposite of fear. And in verse uh, 4, we saw by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaketh and we talked about the faith of Abel and how it was a more excellent sacrifice and the the picture there of salvation and how it says by it uh, he obtained witness that he was righteous and we talked about that of course you need faith to be saved and you cannot add words to salvation Cain was giving something that he produced of the ground and it was his work and it was not good enough. What God needed was the sacrifice of the Lamb, of course, Jesus Christ. And we've learned about uh, faith, uh, the faith for salvation through Abel. Then we saw verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not be dead and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And we saw how in other passages it tells us about Enoch, that he walked with God. And we talked about not only is there a faith for salvation, but there's a faith for sanctification. If you're going to walk with God and begin to live and have that relationship with God, that requires faith. And we talked about the fact, remember we saw in Jude, that uh, Enoch lived with that constant thought of the judgment seat of Christ, that the Lord was coming back and he would judge him for the things he did and he lived his life in view of that judgment and that allowed him to walk with God. We saw in verse 7 last week, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith and we saw the faith for soul winning the faith for witnessing he, he saw the coming judgment and he also moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house and in the same way we ought to move with fear and get the gospel out to people and we ought to prepare ourselves to be able to preach the gospel and we've been going through there and seeing the different types of faith and it's interesting because in, in other parts of scripture in the book of Romans it says uh, from faith to faith, the, the just shall live by faith. But I never really understood, you know, why it said we go from faith to faith. But here in Hebrews 11, we're able to see that you do transition from a faith for salvation to a faith uh, to sanctification. And there's a faith to go out soul winning. And tonight, we want to talk about the faith for separation. The faith for separation. And we see that there in the life of Abraham. If you look at verse number 8 again, the Bible says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obey, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. Now, if you keep your finger there in Genesis 12, if you go back to Genesis 12, and look at verse number 1, you'll see exactly what the Bible is referring to when it says that Abraham was called to go out. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. In Genesis 12 is where we begin the story of Abraham, and we begin to see God deal with Abraham. And in verse 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, and this is before his name had been changed to Abraham, it says, The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. So you need to understand, when God told Abraham that you are to come, he said when he was called to go out. When God called Abraham 
He called Abraham out of his old life. He literally called him out of his old country. He said, get thee out of thy country. But notice, it wasn't just to get away from his country. It was to get away from his kindred, that's his family, from thy father's house. He said, unto a land which I will show thee. Now you, you got to understand, and you might be thinking, why would God tell Abraham that he needs to leave his country and leave his family and leave his father's house and leave everything he's ever known? Why would God say that? And if you go to Joshua, just go to Joshua with me real quickly. You're there in Genesis. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. I love it in the Bible when the Bible is its own commentary. And the Bible explains to us other passages of Scripture. And in Joshua 24, we find the great leader Joshua giving his last kind of sermon and his last charge to the children of Israel. And he's explaining to them a few things. And he's giving them a challenge. And in that challenge, we see him kind of uh, give us some insight into Genesis 12.1 and, Hebrew, and Hebrews 11.8. As to why God would call Abraham out of his old country. And in Joshua chapter 24, look at verse 1, the Bible says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel. Now you got to understand, from Genesis 12, we have one man, Abraham. And God is going to make this man into a great nation. When we get to Joshua 24, we have the great nation. We have the millions of people. They've already gone through Egypt. They've came out of Egypt. They're now in the promised land. They've been conquering the promised land. And Joshua, that great military leader, is getting ready to, 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 to step down as a leader. He's giving them one last challenge. So we're talking to a... a a full-fledged nation of Israel, and he's going to talk to them about their beginnings with Abraham. Look at verse 24. Uh, I'm sorry, Joshua 24, verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now notice what he said. Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. Now you got to understand, the word flood there is not referring to like the Noahic flood. It's just talking about the river Euphrates. He said, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the river, on the other side of the flood uh, uh, in old time. Notice what he said. Even, talking about including or up to the point of Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacre. And notice what it says. And they served other gods. So Joshua explains for us that when Abraham first lived in the early Chaldees on the other side of the flood, on the other side of the land, with his dad, uh, Terah, and with his family, what they were doing there is serving other gods. And when God decided that he was going to use a man, Abraham, and he called him, he said, the first thing you got to do, Abraham, is you need to come out of the place where you were serving other gods, because if you're going to serve me, you can only serve the one true God, the Jehovah God. And what you need to understand is this, and we talked about it a little bit this morning, the fact that God has a calling on your life. And God wants to use you as a steward and as a uh, messenger, as an, as an ambassador. But you got to understand this, with God's calling, whatever it is, salvation, sanctification, soul winning, preaching, leadership, whatever it is that God, being a mother, being a business owner, whatever it is that God has called you to do, with God's calling, there always comes a call for separation. And God always, you need to understand, God always wants you to leave your old life. And for Abraham, it was a physical move. He physically had to leave the land where he used to worship other gods. But you got to understand, you and I have the exact same calling. 
Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And look at verse number 14. And let me just show you this. And, and we really don't have to be very long tonight. The, the sermon's not complicated. It's a very simple thought. It's easier preached than done. But it's, a, it's an easy thought for us to understand. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 14. The Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. God does not want us yoking up, and the, the idea there is of two oxen that are plowing together, and you would yoke them up by the neck, you'd put a, a wooden uh, you know, thing across their necks and, and hook them together, because they were working and they were laboring together. And God says, I do not want you partnering up, and I do not want you working together, I don't want you laboring with unbelievers. Now, that's talking about, that, that can be applied to a lot of things, the, the, the number one thing is marriage, you know, God, God doesn't want you partnering up. With, with an unbeliever, he says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And he says, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? He said, can righteousness and unrighteousness fellowship together? Well, they're the exact opposite. They can't. He said, and what communion hath light with darkness? Can we unite the light and the darkness? Look, you either have darkness or you have light, but you don't have both. He said, what communion hath light with darkness? And what conquered hath Christ with Bilal? Bilal is a reference to Satan. Remember a couple, Sunday, uh, a couple Wednesday nights ago, we were talking about the fact that they called Jesus the, the Beelzebub? It's the same terminology, Beelzebub, uh, Baal, Belial. And he says, what conquered hath Christ with Bilal? Look, can you unite Jesus and Satan? They're the exact opposite of each other. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, now you got to understand this. This is what God said. And God said to, to Abraham the exact same thing he's saying to you and I. God said to Abraham, I want to be your God. I want to dwell with you. I want to walk with you. I want to be your uh, leader, your Lord, your God. Serve me. And God said that to Abraham. And Abraham responded and said, I would like that, God. And then God said, Okay. But with that comes the fact that you need to come out of the land that you were serving other gods. And now look at what it says. Second Corinthians 6:16. And what agreement have the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them. This is what God. God said this to Abraham, and God is saying this to you. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now look, you're in church on a Sunday night because you want to be, uh, be, be, be able to know that you are following God and that God is not ashamed. The Bible tells us, we'll get into it in another uh, sermon on a, on a Sunday night as we go through Hebrews 11. But Hebrews 11 actually teaches us that God, the Bible says that God is not ashamed to be called their God. God has some children, the Bible tells us, that He is ashamed to be called, you know, their God. He'd rather they not share their testimony because of the way they live their life. And he says, look, that's not what I want. I want to dwell in you. I want to walk with you. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. I want you to be called my people. But with that comes verse 17. Wherefore. The word wherefore means for this reason. For what reason? For the reason that God wants to dwell in them. And the reason that God wants to walk in them. And the reason that He wants to be their God. And the reason that He wants to be their people. He says, for that reason. He says, wherefore. Notice, same thing He told Abraham. 
Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So you've got to understand, God's calling always comes with a calling for separation. God wants a separated people unto Him. God wants. God does not. You got, and you got to understand this. God saves anyone. We're saved by faith. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to repent of anything. You don't have to quit anything. All you have to do to be saved is exercise your faith in Jesus Christ. But if God wants to establish a relationship, a walk with you, be your God, and, and, be, and you be called His people, He says, we cannot do it while you're living in the old life. He said, we can't do it while you're living where you used to live, where you worship the gods of this world. He said, if we're going to do this, I'm going to need you to come out from among them. And that's what Abraham was told. He said, you know, Abraham, when he was called out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance. Now, uh, look at verse 18, 2 Corinthians 6, 18. He says, if you come out from among them, he says, I will be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He's talking about the relationship. Now, of course, he's your father, but he's talking about the fact that you'll have a relationship with him. Are you you're there in 2 Corinthians? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians. You're there. You got 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. So just a couple books over. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 22. Ephesians 4, 22. Ephesians 4, 22 says this. That ye put off... Concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Let's just read that again so we make sure we get it. That ye put off, this is what God wants you to put off, to, to like a garment that you take off of you. He says that ye put off the former conversation. Now understand, the word conversation in the King James Bible is not the same word as our word conversation. Our word conversation is talking about like having a dialogue with someone. The word conversation in King James Bible means your lifestyle. Okay, now definitely what you say is a part of that. And some of you would be good to just apply this as conversation for your life. You ought to put off the former conversation, the old man, which is a corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Look, you got to understand this. God saved you as you are, but He wants you to change. He wants you to be different. He wants you to put off the old lifestyle. The old things you used to say, He doesn't want you to say that anymore. The old things you used to do, He doesn't want you to do that anymore. The places you used to go, the gods you used to serve, the, the things you used to follow, He says, I want you to put off that former conversation. The old man. Why? Because he's corrupt according to the deceitful laws. He said, if you're going to walk with me, you need to start over, and the way you start over is you come out. Go to 1 Peter, towards the end of the New Testament there, 1 Peter chapter 1. You've got to understand what God wants. Because see, we, we get this idea that it's all about, what do we want to get from God? What do I want from God? And you know, oftentimes people come to church, and they come to church because they're struggling financially. And the problem with that is that as soon as God begins to bless you financially, then you're no longer interested in what God wants. Or you're struggling in your marriage, and as soon as you can get that kind of turned around, then you're no longer interested in what God wants. But you know, we ought to be interested in what God wants from us. And 1 Peter 1.16 says this, because it is written, here's what God wants from you. If you're saved, if you want to walk with God, if you want to have a relationship with God, here's what He wants. Because it is written, notice what He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And God says, look, I'm a holy God. And if I'm going to walk with you, can two walk together except they be agreed? He said, if I'm going to walk with you, I need you to be holy like I'm holy. He said, I need you to be sanctified like I'm sanctified. See, God, we already saw in 2 Corinthians, He cannot fellowship. You cannot, 
unite unrighteousness with righteousness. You cannot unite Belial with Christ. Go to go to First uh, Peter chapter two. Look at verse nine. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. And we're just kind of laying the foundation a little bit. And like I said, the sermon's not very long tonight. But I just want you to understand: this is what God wants. This is His desire. His the, the whole reason He saved you, the whole reason He called you, the whole reason He wrote a Bible, the whole reason we have a church, the, the whole reason we're doing anything for God comes down to this one thing. This is what God desires. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that word peculiar means unusual, not the norm. you got to understand this. God wants a people that are different than the people in the world right now. The way they talk, He wants us to talk differently. The things they do, He wants us to do differently. The way they dress, He wants us to dress differently. The music they listen to, He wants us to have different music, different ad. He wants us to be, He said, I don't want you to be uh, normal. He said, I don't want you to be uh, average. I don't want you to be like everything else out in the world. He said, I've chosen a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye, here's the reason. You say, well, why? You say, well, why would God want me to be peculiar? Why would God want me to not be normal and not be average? Why? Notice what he says. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness to his marvelous light. See, you got to understand this. Salvation is something that happens in the heart. And when you were saved, before you were saved, you were the wrath of God abode upon you. You were in darkness. You were you were you were just totally messed up. And God spiritually changed that. And then He says, "I want your outside." To reflect what I've done for you in the inside. Because he says, I can see the inside, but nobody else can see the inside. And if we're going to show the praises of him who I called you out of darkness. He said that I need you to outwardly be a peculiar people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A chosen generation. He said, I want you to come out from among them and be separate. Now you got to understand this. Go, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. A lot of times people don't really understand the concept of separation. I like to preach on this from time to time because it kind of just explains a lot of the things that we do at Brady Baptist Church. A lot of the questions that we have. you got to understand this, okay? Because I grew up in Baptist churches where I knew some people. And, and I think they thought the objective was to be weird, okay? We're not saying that God wants you to be weird, alright? We're not to be weird for the sake of being weird. There's a purpose for the separation, and in Romans 12, 1, the Bible says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, it's a very one-on passage, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, he says, And be not conformed to this world. The word conform is talking about taking your pattern from. He said, I do not want you to be patterned to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. you got to understand this. This is what God wants. He wants you to be separated. You say separated to how? He does not want you to be conformed to this world. He does not want you to be patterned to this world. Today, there are uh, complete movements of Christianity, so-called Christianity. You know, the emergent church, and the, the neo-evangelical church, and the charismatic church. And today, there are literally people like uh, Rick Warren, and, and, and his whole philosophy, that have taught pastors and church planners, and they say, here's what we want to do. We want to go into a community, and we're going to find out what that community likes. So let's say if you're starting a church somewhere in the south, and everybody listens to country music, then you bring 
country music into the house of God. You know, change the name from, you know, I'm in love with Billy, whatever, to I'm in love with Jesus. You know, make it all about Jesus. But make sure it looks like country. Make sure it acts like country. Because if that's what people want, give them what they want. And here's what they say. If you give them what they want, then they'll come. So if you're like in Sacramento, and everybody thinks they're hip, and everybody wants to wear really tight pants, and everybody wants to drink their Starbucks, then, you know, have the pastor wear really tight pants, and have the pastor get up there with his Starbucks, and have him wear his hair all spiked up, and, you know, no tie, and just kind of get up there and sit on a stool. You know, wherever you're at, just kind of figure out what people want, and give them what they want. Here's what they're teaching. Conform to what the society wants, and then they'll come. But that's not what God says. God says, I don't want you to be conformed to this world. And you got to understand this about very bad church because we've had people leave. You know, I've had people like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I-, I will stay if you change the music. And I'm like, we'll see you later, you know. Because this is our our goal at Verity Baptist Church. We want to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you need to understand this. And I, I want to say this as-, as clearly as I can, as kindly as I can, from the bottom of my heart. Our goal is not to fill this room with bodies. We're not trying to win a popularity concert. We're not trying to to just attract a bunch of people. Look, my goal is not on a Sunday morning to have 500 people in this building that are lost and are not saved and do not understand the Bible and they're only here because we gave them the music their flesh wants. Our goal is to reach a people and to gather a community of believers that loves God and wants to walk with God and actually wants to be a peculiar people. That wants to be different, not conformed to this world. So our goal cannot be to be conformed to this world. We're not taking a, a, a survey. You know, how do you like, how long do you like the sermon to be? You want it to be 15 minutes? You want it to be 20 minutes? You want it to be 20 minutes? I don't care. <laughs> You know, what kind of music do you like? Are you in the country? You want rap? You want this? You want that? No. We do what God wants us to do. But you understand this. It's not about, it's not simply about not being conformed to the world. Are you there in Romans 12? Go to chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. He says, I don't want you conformed to this world. And he says, here's what I do want. Romans 8.29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of His Son. That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. God wants us to not be conformed to this world. And to begin to pattern ourselves or conform us to the image of His Son. Our goal is to be more like Christ every day. Amen, and and you got to understand. There are things that God wants you to separate from. And I don't know what they are. Maybe it is worldly music. Maybe it is a dress standard that you have. Maybe it's some friends that are not necessarily the best influences for you. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. I I don't know what it is for you. But I know this. When God calls, He wants us to separate. And whatever you were worshipping before, whatever God you were worshipping for, He wants you to come out. He doesn't want you conformed to the world. He wants you to start being conformed to the image of His Son. Now if you go back to Hebrews 11, I want you to understand this, okay? God called Abraham. And I, I'm hot, but I'm always hot. Is anybody else hot? hot? It's hot. Can we make sure? I don't know if the air conditioners are on, but can we make sure that they're low? Um, I'm always hot, so I don't know. They're low? Okay. Hebrews 11, look at verse 8. Alright? Hebrews 11, 8. I guess we'll have to suffer for Jesus a little bit. Hebrews 11, 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance. Now, now, before before I kind of shift modes here, I I need you to to understand this. And those of you that have read the Bible, especially the New Testament, you'll understand this. In the New Testament, Abraham was it. 
I mean, Abraham was the man. What Abraham did in the Old Testament earned him, I mean, he is the number one, other than, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. But as far as Old Testament Bible characters, he's the most important. He's, he's the guy that started everything. I mean, Abraham was the guy. They, if, if they wanted to justify what they were doing, they would say, we are the children of Abraham. You know, being connected to Abraham was like the, the great status. And that's why Jesus himself, when Jesus began to show and prove that he was even greater than, than any man, he didn't say, you know, before Daniel was, I am. He didn't say before Moses was, I am. He said before Abraham was, I am. He said, look, I existed. I was the God of Abraham himself. Because Abraham was the man. I mean, Abraham probably in the Old Testament is the greatest example of faith. And we're going to get into a lot of the stories of Abraham as we go through this chapter. And I think you'll begin to see that. Abraham was just, if you wanted a status symbol for from the Old Testament, Abraham was it. Right? And you say, well, why was that? And here's, here's the main reason it was. I want you to look at Hebrews 11 8, alright? Now, I don't look. Uh, English is my second language, alright? So sometimes I mispronounce things, sometimes I don't say things right. If you don't understand what I'm saying, you know, give me a little bit of weak, uh, uh, leeway there, alright? So I don't know, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, like we're talking about this morning. I'm the unlearned and ignorant man that God's making up for, uh, you know, as we serve Him. But, but if you look at Hebrews 11 8, okay, I do know a little bit, and I want you to see this. You see the, the the phrase by faith. Okay, do you remember when you were in school and you learned about prepositional phrases? Okay, though that phrase by faith is, is a prepositional phrase, alright? And, and it says by faith Abraham. Then you see a comma and he says when he was called to go out into the place which he should have to receive for narratives, you see another comma. It says obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. Now when you see that, that, that phrase after the word Abraham, you see a comma. When he was called to go out into the place which he should have to receive for narratives, you see another comma. That phrase, you can put parentheses there because you've got two commas between that statement. You can put parentheses there and it'd be the same thing. And here's the only point I'm trying to make. This verse... If you just get it down to the brass task, what is it saying? Here's what it's saying. Because you could have a complete sentence without a prepositional phrase. And you could have a complete sentence without a parenthetical statement. And if you remove those, you should still be able to have a complete thought. Does that make sense? Right. So if we were to read this verse without all that extra stuff, and look, that's needed, God, the Holy Spirit put it there, we need it there for a reason, God put it there for a reason. But if we were to read it for a second, just ignoring all that other stuff, here's what the verse is saying. Abraham obeyed. Now what do we need to know about Abraham obeying? He did it by faith. By faith, Abraham he obeyed what? When he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an entrance? Obey. And here's what's interesting about Abraham. Did you keep your place in Genesis 12? Go back to Genesis 12. Let me just show you a couple things about Abraham that's extremely interesting about Abraham. If you look at Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says this. Now the Lord has said unto Abraham. I'll give you a second to get there. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land which I shall show thee. Now, it's easy for us to read that, but that's a pretty tall order, is it not? I mean, if God was to come to you, put yourself in, in the shoes of Abraham. Put yourself in the Bible. If God was to come to you, and he was to say to you, I want you to leave the United States of America. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everyone you know. And go somewhere else. And you would say, where God? And he said, just get going and I'll tell you when you get there. I mean, I don't know, maybe you're a great man of faith, but I, I doubt many of us would just start packing. 
I mean, we'd be like, well, I need to pray about this. And it's like, well, God just told you, you know, I need to think about this. I, I need to, you know, I, I need to, I mean, this is crazy, God, but that's what God said. He said, now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, verse 2. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. This was known as the Abrahamic covenant. And I will make thee a great nation, I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, a blessing, and I will bless thee, and I bless thee, and curse thee, and curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Look at verse 4. Here's what's interesting, okay? God just told Abraham, leave the country, leave your family, leave your job, leave everything you know. I want you to leave. And verse 4, the Bible says, so Abraham departed. No complaining, no backbiting, no questioning, no I need time to pray about it, no I need time to think about it. The next opportunity we get to see Abraham, he is packing up and leaving. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Let me give you another example. Go to Genesis chapter 22. We're going we're gonna to get into Genesis 22 a lot in the next couple weeks, uh, so I don't want to go a lot into it, but let me just... To show you a story. Here we have the, the most famous story probably about Abraham where he was asked of God to sacrifice his son Isaac and it, it would be any it, it would be hard for all of us to be asked of God to uh, sacrifice our son but this is a son that God had been promising for a long time and he finally got him and when he finally got the son of promise then God said I want you to sacrifice him. And in Genesis 21 the Bible says and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now the word tempt there it's not referring to like a temptation to sin. It, it, the idea there is that he's testing him. He's trying him. And we'll see that in Hebrews 11. He says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take thou thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, if it was you and I, verse 3 would read like this. Now, wait a minute, God. You've been promising me Isaac for all these years. You finally gave him to me. You want me to kill him? You want me to burn him? You want me? You know, you and I would be like, you know, haggling with God. Well, how about you know, I've got a real nice ox over here. How about I switch him out for an ox? You know, I, I, God, you know, have you, have you thought this through? God, are you having a bad day? What you know, what's going on here, God? But that's not what Abraham said. God comes to Abraham and literally says, I want you to sacrifice your son. And in verse 3, the next time we see Abraham, what do we see? And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took the two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. You all know why Abraham was such a great character in scripture? Because every time God said, do this, he answered, yes sir. No complaining. No one needs time to think about it. No, I need time to pray about it. No, I know I, you don't know what this is going to do to my family. God, you want me to do what, God? I just got established here. Are you kidding? Leave my family? Go where? You don't even know where I'm going? It's a beautiful verse. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, I love how it just says, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. And you know, when God calls you, and God calls me, like He called Abraham, and He calls all of us to separate. And I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe it is the country. You know, some of you leave the country because you, you know, you're running from the law. Maybe God's calling you to leave the country. You know, maybe God, maybe it's your family. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's a certain job. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's the filth you're watching.
There's a song that says, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to thy will and to thy way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. Uh, it, it says, uh, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart, I'll agree. And I'll say, and my answer will be, yes, Lord, yes. And the question is, is, is that how you and I respond to God? When His Holy Spirit begins to talk to us, you know, you're at church and you're here preaching, and you begin to hear something that you know you need to correct, that you know you need to leave, that you know you need to quit, that you know you need to separate from. Do we just say, okay, God, you're right, God, as soon as I can, I'm going to begin to pack my bags and I'm going to leave. Is that how we respond? Because that's how Abraham responded. And that's what made Abraham so great, is the fact that he responded with just obedience. Because faith is something we believe, but it should. Now, it doesn't always, but it should affect the things we do. Go to, uh, go to Romans chapter 13. I think we're in Romans a little bit. Go to Romans 13. And, and look at verse 14. We're going to look at Romans, we're going to look at Hebrews again, and we're going to look at, at, at 2 Corinthians again, and we'll be done, alright? We're, we're almost done. Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So you got to understand this. Just like salvation, separation is a choice. You choose to separate. You either make provision for the flesh. Provision is talking about giving an opportunity or, or, or providing for it. You either make an opportunity for the flesh, or you make an or you, or you, you know, make sure there is no opportunity for the flesh. But the Bible says, "Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof." Go back to Hebrews eleven eight. Let me just show you one more thing, and then we'll go to Second Corinthians chapter six, and we'll be done. Okay, Hebrews eleven eight, Second Corinthians chapter six. If you want to find it all, we'll be done here in a couple minutes. Hebrews eleven eight. The Bible says, "By I don't know why the air conditioner is not working, so we need to just be done." Hebrews 11 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out of the place, which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out. Now, here's a question. You know, what does this have to do with faith? Okay? Where does faith play a part in all of this? And here's where it plays a part. The last part of verse 8. Not knowing whither he went. See, Abraham, when he packed his bags and began to head out of the Ur of the Chaldees, when he passed the Euphrates River, the flood, and when he got out of there, he did not know... Where he was going, he did not know how this was going to turn out. But he did it anyway, by faith, trusting God. And see, there may be things that God is going to ask you to separate from. There are friends that you need to stop being friends with. And you're going to ask yourself, well, how is this all going to work out? Because then my other friends are going to think that I'm weird. And, you know, there's family members that you probably need to stop. Look, Pastor Jimenez has family members that I don't spend a lot of time with. Say, are you mean to them? I'm not mean to them. I'm nice to them. I'm just telling you that there are certain people you should not be around. And you say, but what if I do that? You know, I don't know how it's going to turn out. That's where faith comes in. Because if God's calling you to do it, then you just trust Him. Because the Bible tells us, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, if you knew how it was going to turn out, then it would have required faith. But he did not know. It says, not knowing whether he went. And that's why it was a great act and work of faith. Are you, can you go back to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6? Remember we saw this earlier in the sermon. I just want to give you one more thought. And we'll be done. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Remember that great passage on separation? Second Corinthians 6.14 Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temples of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons, saith the Lord Almighty. Now you read that to a brand new Christian here and say, wait a minute, I'm working at a bar, you want me to quit my job? Wait a minute, all my, you know, friends are just a bunch of drunkards. You want me to get new friends? Wait a minute, you know, you want me to get rid of the, the worldly music that curses and that, you know, talks about things that we should not talk about and talks about, you know, physical relationships with men and women. You want me to get rid of that filthy music from the world? You want me to stop watching the filth and the fornication on the television? You want me to get rid of the alcohol? You, you want me to leave everything I've ever known and all the little G-gods I've ever served? and a brand new Christian or even mature Christians for that would say well if I do that how's all of that going to turn out and that's why it's an act of faith now it's interesting because look at verse 1 of chapter 7 okay we're done right here you got to understand this, okay? The, the, the Bible is divided into verses and into chapters. That's so that we can easily find verses that we go to. But you got to understand this. Verse, the first verse of chapter 7 is in context of the last verse of chapter 6. Does that make sense? It's in the same context, okay? Paul did not originally separate it. It was just falling right after the other, alright? There's nothing wrong with having chapters of separation, but you got to understand that chapter... Chapter 7, verse 1, is in the context of what we were talking about in chapter 6. In chapter 6, he says, I don't want you with the, un- uh, with the unrighteous. I don't want you with Belial. I don't want you with the idols of God, the temples, with the temples uh, of the heathen. He said, I want you to come out and, and be separate, saith the Lord. And then chapter 7, and verse 1, he says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What is the motivation to cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh? What is the motivation to perfect holiness in our lives in the fear of God? It's having, therefore, these promises. What promises? The promises in verse chapter 6, verse 17. That He will... I'm sorry, uh... 16, that he will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Here's the point. God told Abraham, I want you to leave everything you've ever known. And Abraham says, why would I do that? And God says, here's why you want to do that. Because I promise you, Abraham, that if you do that, I will be your God. And I will walk with you. And I will take care of you. And, I, and you're going to be okay. It's going to be rough at times, but you're going to be okay. Do you believe me? And do you believe the promises? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a land much better than this. I'm going to give you descendants like the sand of the sea, like the stars in the sky. He said, I'm going to give you Isaac. Now, Abraham had not seen any of that, but he stepped out by faith, not seeing it. But by faith, he said, I have faith in that promise. And here's the question for you, because you've got to understand this. There is no point in going soul winning. There is no point in showing up to church on a Sunday night. There is no point in, in, in separating your life and being peculiar and being different. There is no for any of us to do any of it if the promises of God are not true. Because if God's not true and heaven's not true and the judgment seat of Christ is not true, then eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. But if it's true and you believe the promises, then by faith when you are called to come out of a land which you should have to inherit, then you will obey. Because it's faith. 
connected to faith. Do you believe it? We say we believe it. We say we believe in heaven. We say we believe in hell. But if you believe it, it's like we were talking about this morning. If you have the faith, then you have the faithfulness. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. I know just a very simple lesson tonight about Abraham's faith. But Father, I pray that you would help us to not just say we have faith, but to obey. Not just say we, we believe the promises, we have the promises, but then to act upon them. I just love the fact that Abraham, every time he's told, do this, he does it. Every time he's told, pack your bags, he packs his bags. Every time he's told, sacrifice your son, he just does it. He doesn't backbite, doesn't complain, doesn't argue. He just says, okay God, I believe you. I believe you're going to work it out. I believe it's going to work out to what you would have it to work out. And Father, I pray that you'd help us. I pray you'd help us to develop that type of faith. It's hard to separate sometimes. But we need to. We need to separate if we're going to develop the walk with you that you would have us to, to have. Lord, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.